Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Afterlife Podcast. And today my guest is Betty Guadagnil. I hope I said your last name right. Nailed it, nailed it. Awesome. Right. And Betty had a spiritually transformative experience in March of 2019. And that she went from a drug addicted sex worker and self-described radical atheist to a devout believer in long-term recovery, working as a life coach and manifesting a life beyond her wildest dreams. And I met Betty recently at a conference for the International Association of Near-Death Studies. And she most graciously accepted my request to do this interview. Thank you so much, Betty. I'm so glad and grateful that you're here. I'm so happy to be here. I was just saying before we started recording that it's so beautiful to support each other in creating conscious space. So thank you for your service to the collective and the space that you've built. Thank you, Betty. And I'm really looking forward to hearing your story. Um, you, you feel free to walk us through what, you know, what led to your experience and what that experience was. Yeah, thank you so much for this space. So I'm just going to preface speaking with a trigger warning because my story has a lot of very deep, dark contrast in it and um, it can be quite triggering. Uh, but if I can overcome, anybody can. <laughs> that That's like, that's the message that I really came back with. Um, but I did, I'll start with some backstory just to paint a picture of the origin. My family growing up, very chaotic, very dysfunctional, a lot of sexual trauma, emotional trauma, physical trauma. Um, and, you know, like I started using illicit substances at a really young age, I started drinking and drugging uh, to cope with my experience. My parents were also both addicts. Uh, in 2007, my parents decided to stop using drugs and to end their suffering. And they did that by committing suicide with one another. They didn't know that there was any way to stop using drugs without dying. So, you know, I thought the same thing once I saw that happen. And in that moment, you know, I was 23 when that happened. My sister was 18. We found them. I mean, you know, just like the, the darkest experience that you could ever imagine. And in that moment, my addiction really became my parent. It really latched on to me and it said, I'm going to help you cope. I'm going to be your constant. I'll never abandon you. I'll never reject you. I'll never leave you like they did. And so my addiction went like full force, full throttle all the way. Nothing came before my addiction. I abandoned my sister. I moved across the country. I got divorced. I got remarried. I got divorced. I lost pets, apartments, jobs, sanity, dignity. Everything went out the window. My addiction became my, my North Star. It was my compass. Like I'm covered in tattoos of liquor bottles and packs of cigarettes. Like this was my whole identity. Uh, and I planned on living and dying the way that I was. And, you know, like every day of my life was kind of welcoming death. Uh, like, when is it going to be over? You know, like, when, when can I stop doing this? So I ended up overdosing in March of 2019. And I had this really transformative spiritual experience in my overdose. But when the experience started, I just thought like, damn, I'm so high that I think I'm talking to God. This is crazy. And, you know, like I was really a, a very militant atheist because so many things had happened to me in my life. And I just thought like, what kind of creator would allow all of that to happen to me? And so I just stayed hidden from God because it was a lot easier than trying to figure out how to believe in something that could allow those experiences to happen to me. 
So until my, and then my spiritual experience happened and I was like, okay, I'm wrong. This is crazy. And, you know, like the spiritual experience itself, I was downloaded with a lot of information and it, it seemed like there was multiple scenes playing out in my mind all at the exact same moment. I went through what I perceive as like a life review, started to feel all of the emotions that I had experienced in my life, not only from my perspective, but the other person's perspective. And I had caused a lot of harm. You know, like there was a lot of things that had happened to me in my life where I felt like the victim. But after a certain point, I said, you know what? I don't like this victim role. I'm going to be the perpetrator. I'm going to be the victimizer. Because I thought that those were the only two options. You either are abused or you abuse. I didn't know that there was anything else. And so at one point in my life, I, I flipped and I became the abuser. And so I started to feel all of the abuse that I had caused other people and how they felt being victimized by me. And it felt like hell, what I imagine hell, you know, like mm -hmm. when people describe it, mm -hmm. it was like, it felt like cement was all over me. Like I was drowning in it. And then I experienced my parents' suicide from their perspective. And that was like drowning in an ocean of anguish. And then I started to hear these voices and they were, it was a masculine voice, my divine masculine energies voice manifested and started guiding me towards the light. And then I heard my father and I had a boyfriend who had recently passed away and they were both there and they kept saying, you are worthy of all the love in the universe. You are worthy of all the love in the universe. And I started following their voices and I landed on what felt like a spaceship. And I was surrounded by thousands of other souls. And then there was this commander in the center. And like, it felt like I was part of a spiritual army. And the commander was like getting us all hyped up. And, you know, like whether it's Christ or Krishna or Buddha or, you know, a higher entity, like that was that light in the center. That was the commander. It was like this higher level of consciousness. And it was gearing us up for this trip to earth. And everybody's like all excited, like, yeah. Owen. And, uh, and then I, my, the scene kind of transfers over to a, a table of beings, like a long table. Mm -hmm. And, and I didn't ask who they were because I didn't have to, I knew that they were people in charge and I didn't know like exactly who, but I just knew that like, they were the, they were the ones that I had to answer to. And they had this big book and they were thumbing through it and they said, okay, you know, like you're just here for a moment. You're on your way back, but it's nice to see you. And I'm like looking all around me and I'm like, you guys aren't talking to me, right? Like, I don't know where I am, but I am definitely staying. This place feels cool. It feels way better than the last place I was just at. And there's no way that I'm leaving. And they, you know, kept affirming like, no, no, you know, they're like looking through the book. Like you still have a lot of life left to live. You know what, while you're here, we're going to take you through your pre-birth plan so that you can see what's to come and why what has already happened did happen. And so again, like my mind shifted to another scene and I found myself in this grocery store with this big empty grocery cart and this man leading me. And he said, okay, pick your life. And lining the walls of the grocery aisles were these giant cereal boxes and every cereal box had a life experience on it. And so I see myself as this little orb of light and I start grabbing all the cereal boxes addiction, poverty, sex work, right. my parents, my family line, the double suicide of my parents, uh, you know, like everything that had happened to me in my life already. And then there were also things in the cart that I hadn't gotten to yet, like being the spiritual awakening, being in recovery, overcoming adversity, 
uh, being an author, being a speaker, being a spiritual leader. But, you know, like none of those things had happened. So I just thought, wow, that's lovely cart filler. What colorful cereal boxes. So I'm taken through the very intricate details of this. And every time I pick a life experience, I also see the partner that I'm going to have it with. So like the one that sticks out very vividly in my mind is when I picked this box of childhood sexual trauma, a little orb of light came out with the box. And it was the soul of the man who would sexually abuse me as a small child. And we came into contract with one another and they showed me the reasons why. And they showed me that in a, one of the reasons was that in a previous life, I had been his abuser in this particular way. And so in this life, we were balancing it out. Now, my human cannot understand how childhood sexual trauma could be like a beneficial life experience. But today I have faith and knowing that my soul, that the person who picked this, like the, you know, the entity that picked this is doing it with complete knowledge of what will come from it. So I don't have to worry too much about why or how or if or anything. I, I have like much, much deep seated faith today that everything is working out for the highest good, even if my human cannot perceive why. So, you know, like I, I come back to the table of beings and I'm I'm so grateful and I'm, you know, like I say, wow, it feels like two tons of bondage have been released from my spirit. You know, like things have no longer happened to me. They have actually happened for me because on some soul level, I chose it. And what great freedom that is to be a divine co-creator of life instead of a victim of the world that I see. Mm -hmm. And I was like, thank you guys so much. I will still not be returning. I'm going to grab my PJs and a bowl of popcorn. I'm going to watch the show from up here. And they just kept affirming, no, no, you have to go back. You have to go back. You signed up for a mission. This is not a punishment. You signed up for something. You're here, here on earth for the great awakening. The, the consciousness of the planet is transforming from a level of third dimensional thinking to fifth dimensional thinking. And you signed up to be there for it. So if you, if you won't go back into this body, because I was like, totally, absolutely, I will not go back into her. They said, we'll show, we'll show you the baby that you'll be born into. And so they took me through every detail about this baby. And, you know, this baby was going to have my grocery cart. So she was going to have all of my own life experiences because the soul had not completed the life yet. And then because of the family line that she was going to be born into, she had even deeper levels of adversity. She had like even more challenges. And I was like, whoa, okay. If these are my only two options to go back into this body or to go into a baby and start from zero, uh, I guess, you know, like the better choice is just to go back into the body I just came from. And I told them, I said, but she's glitched. I said, there's no way that she's going to be able to heal. Like her, she's been through too much. Um, you know, and they said, like, trust us. And I just kept saying, I do not trust you. <laughs> I do not trust you. You guys did not tell us how difficult earth is actually going to be. You know, I said, I have no trust, no faith in any of this. They said, this, the first part of your life was boot camp, and it, it's hard and it's rough. And the second part of your life is going to be carrying out your mission. You're going to be living in spiritual awareness now. You're going to know that we exist. We're going to be there to help you. You're going to have kindred spirits, soulmates, mentors, teachers that guide you along the way. And your life is going to radically transform. And I was like, whatever, peace. And then I found myself kind of sifting back into my awareness. And, you know, I wrote my whole experience off as drug-induced psychosis because who wouldn't, you know, like this was not part of my picture. 
And then, yeah, the universe made my world really small and, uh, and forced me to get onto a spiritual path. You know, when I came back from my experience, I kept using drugs. I kept lying. I kept manipulating. I kept stealing because that was my default. That was my cellular memory. That's all that I knew. And then drugs just began to not work. And I experienced a spontaneous healing out of heroin withdrawal. I mean, like, if you don't know what heroin withdrawal is like, like, I'm so happy for you. Really, truly. It is brutal. It is insane. It it feels like your skin is on fire and your bones are made of broken glass and and it's hot and cold sweats and you're sick all over yourself from both ends and it's fever and it's it's brutal and none of it is real. You know, like there's not actually anything physically wrong with you, but you feel like just the agony, agony of pain. Mm-hmm. And um and I was in the in the midst of this pain. And I said, oh my God, I understand what my parents were going through. Mm-hmm. Like I thought I knew before because I thought I understood addiction, but now I really get it. This pain, I can't go through it. And I had been through withdrawal, you know, like over two dozen times before, but this one was like epically, epically terrible. And I thought I couldn't even kill myself if I wanted to, because I'm so sick that I can't even get out of bed and figure out a way to do that. So I can't even do what I know that they did. And and then I heard this voice and it told me to lean back and request what I wanted fixed. And I was like in the throes of desperation. So I was like, okay, strange voice. I would like to no longer be physically dependent on this drug. Mm -hmm. I didn't say that like I wanted to be rid of all of my drug addictions because I still definitely wanted to use other drugs. (laughs) I just didn't want to have this one physical dependency to this one substance. And, um, and I counted back from 10 as the voice told me to. And then in my mind's eye, I saw these two little men appear and they, they had these white lab coats and they had these little lawn mowers. And I watched these men go through every crevice of my mind and they were mowing out the old neural pathways and they were creating new ones. And I felt these intense hot tingles and my whole head lit up. And then I, there was this bright white flash. And in that instant, I was instantaneously healed out of day three of heroin withdrawal. I mean, like moments before I was sick all over myself, welcoming death. And then all of a sudden I was bestowed with the ever loving grace of a power much greater than myself. And I threw myself on the floor and I was crying out to the divine. How could this be happening to me? I don't even believe in this. And, and, you know, like for the contrast of the experience, I was a drug addict. I was a prostitute. I was an orphan to suicide. I was a liar, a manipulator, a thief. I was a rapist. I was a racist. I was all of the things that you would think would condemn you to the exact opposite of what I was experiencing. Mm -hmm. And there I was completely, you know, like free. I was so free of my experience in that moment. And I had this newfound faith that was literally lifting me out of my skin. And so after this experience, I obviously thought I was the second coming of Christ. (laughs) And so I went on to the New York City subway system and I began proselytizing and evangelizing and telling people that I was the Messiah and laying hands on like homeless drug addicts. And I was like, I can heal you. Let me heal you. It was crazy and totally chaotic. And I'm so grateful for spiritual integration because I just didn't understand what had happened to me. I went from zero awareness to all the way awake. And like, it just seemed to happen in an, in a moment. 
And so I just, I did not know how to handle it. And then through a bunch of other beautiful signs and synchronicities, I found myself in a long-term rehab and I spent a year and a half there. And I just, I devoured every sacred text that I could get my hands on every book that I could find about metaphysics and the law of attraction. And I began to reprogram and educate myself. You know, like I had never used my mind before. The fact that I have this vocabulary today or that I can even string sentences together, that's a miracle. Like my my vocabulary before my experience was just this long laundry list of drugs that I used and how much money it cost to be with me. And that was it. I didn't use my mind for anything else. Mm -hmm. And today, you know, I'm, I'm really able to exercise my free will here and find my passion and my purpose and my will to live and, and the people that I'm supposed to find along the way and these connections that we make with each other. And it's so beautiful. And I want to thank you for giving me all of that space and staying so present while I shared that part of my experience. Betty, um, I don't know what to say. I'm a little bit at loss for words. Um, you know, when I see you and when I walked up to you at the conference, so I've met you in person, so I get to say this. You are gorgeous, okay? You are so beautiful. No, you really are. And it's not just today, right? I, I, I know you. So when I look at you and I see that beauty, right? I see that glow. I see the light, right, all around you is very, very hard for my brain to wrap around your suffering and the journey that you've had, right? You're sitting in front of me, so empowered, helping others, sharing your story, right? I didn't know you when you were going through your journey. So first of all, thank you for sharing that. And while you were speaking, you know what I was thinking? Before you even mentioned about the grocery cart, I was thinking, oh my God, universe, you threw the whole kitchen sink at her, right? Oh, that's what my brain is thinking. And then you tell us about the grocery cart. And I'm like, oh, you you pick all those cereal boxes. <laughs> you know, um, one thing that I believe is we have a soul, but we also have a human. And, you know, three years is not a very long time. You've had a very drastic healing. Um, I know part of it is that your soul understood things and grasped things but the human part of you um can you talk a little bit about that healing journey from from the human Betty yes oh my goodness absolutely so my experience happened four and a half years ago and I currently have four years and like three and a half months in recovery so my process from coming into having my awakening and then actually coming into recovery you know, there was a, a little bit of a gap in between it. Like I shared, you know, it was like very chaotic and crazy. So when I finally stepped into recovery and I, that, that's where I had my opportunity to integrate my spiritual experience. So my human only knows one real coping strategy and that's to medicate and sedate my feelings. Mm. My feelings are big. My experiences are big. My human does not think that it can handle it. So it uses men it uses food, it uses drugs, it uses alcohol, it uses sex, it uses binge watching TV or mindlessly scrolling. Those are the coping strategies that my human knows and, and utilizes. So now I'm in a state of spiritual awareness and I can no longer use drugs or alcohol. So I start grabbing at other things to use. So like I got developed a lot of really nasty stuff with eating disorders when I came into the healing process, because again, I just 
my human thinks that it's protecting me. And I appreciate all those parts of me that protect me or that perceive that they're protecting me. Today, I have a connection to my spirit guides, to my higher self, to source, to my angels. And so I don't have to depend on those perceived negative coping strategies as often. Not to say that I don't still utilize some of them. I do on occasion, you know, fall back into old patterns of behavior. But today I have this connection because I affirm that I do. I'm not like, I'm not more special than anybody else. We are all infinitely special. We all have access to this. This is not like only unique to me or experiencers. We're all spiritual experiencers because we're human Mm -hmm. and that's a spiritual experience in itself. Mm -hmm. So my healing process, as far as my human goes, like I said, I had this spontaneous healing out of the Mm -hmm. physical withdrawal, but my mental addictions to everything else, that continues to be a daily process. Okay. I still... I'm in a recovery program every single day of the week, of the month, of the year. This is a lifelong thing. I don't think that I got this. You know, I know that my addiction, so I do a lot of um, parts work. I do a lot of shadow work around the other pieces of myself. So my addiction, he, he's Ms. Richard, he has a face and a shape and, (laughs) and he looks a certain way and he sounds a certain way. And he lives inside of a glass house inside my mind. And, you know, like the glass house has like these corners to it where there's, you know, like air coming in. And so he puts his mouth up to the crevice and he yells out and he's like, look at that bar. They're all having so much fun in there drinking. Don't you want to do that? And so I know that it's Richard and it's not me. It's not my higher self. It's mm-hmm. not my connection to the divine that's talking. It's this other aspect of myself. And he thinks that I need to drink to fit in or to have fun. But my spirit guide can remind me that my inner child is here. We can color, we can dance, we can play, or I can do something that I'm passionate about. I can I can reach out to another person. I can be of service in some way. I can write, I can read. I can, you know, there's so many other things that I have in my life today that fill me up with joy. So for me, a big part of the healing process for my human is dividing the different pieces of myself and compartmentalizing them so that I can invite my spirit team in to, you know, assist me in healing them. So like I have faces and shapes and names for everything, my addiction, my eating disorders, my inner saboteur, my inner critic, my inner set, my inner controller. Oh my God, she's a beast. And, and then I also have done character development around all my light, every single one of my spirit guides, what their role is in my life, my patience, my tolerance, my acceptance, all these different spiritual virtues, they all have faces and shapes and names as well. So that's something that really helps my human in its healing process. Thank you so much for sharing that, Betty. That is tremendous self-awareness, you know, to, to acknowledge all the light and also all the you know, little demons and darknesses. Um, One thing that when you were talking about that really struck with me is, you know, when you were saying you gave it a name, Richard, and then that's not me. And then you acknowledge that your higher self is you. I think that is so powerful because whatever we identify with, we act it out, right? So this is one of the reasons I started this podcast. You know, it's a lot of us just have to wake up to our true identities. And it's going to really give us the strength to go through a lot of the suffering. I mean, you really, when I was listening to you, um, I'm thinking, how can one person go through all this? Like, I literally cannot imagine that. Do you think that, 
I hate to use this word because um, do you think it's like a calling? Do you were here to heal something, maybe in yourself, maybe in your family, maybe in the collective? Yes. Oh my goodness. What That's so greatly framed. Absolutely. So one of the motivating factors that keeps me on the journey is the fact that I'm not just healing for myself. I'm mm-hmm. healing for my entire ancestral line. And I'm also healing for the collective itself. Mm-hmm. Now, many of the things that I've been through are collective wounds. And that's why I signed up for them because, you know, I'm here as this spiritual soldier for the great awakening and the great awakening is about transformation of consciousness. So if I can stand firm in my healing of the collective wounds, which are sexual wounds, sexual abuse wounds, racism, dereliction, poverty, you know, like all of these things are collective, not just for myself. I experience them because I'm part of the collective too. Mm -hmm. And, but these are things that maybe uh, I didn't have access to before. And now I have access to the healing tools and I have access to the awareness of them. And so I make it a point to stay vigilant in my own healing because I, I have this greater mission behind it. It's not just for me, it's for everybody. And that keeps me more motivated than thinking that it's just for myself because I could beat myself up and have low self-worth in a second. Like I don't have to care about me healing, but I care about other people healing. That's, that's for sure. That's something that I can focus my energy on. Yeah. And that always gives me so much hope because I was part of a fundamentalist religious um, institution, you know, and since then I've deconstructed and reconstructed my faith. So Jesus still is one of my favorite, um, very, very favorite. And one of the things, uh, you know, and this comes from my uh, past religious background is the Lord's Prayer. And there's a verse in there that's taken on a whole new meaning for me where it says, you know, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I really have come to believe that we are in a time where there's a big transformation going on in this earth because we want this to be as it is in heaven, right? We want to bring that consciousness, that transformation. And I see you as part of that, your story, your journey. I know we're all a part of that, Betty, but you know, when I hear stories of NDE and these spiritually transformative experiences, it's profound, it's dramatic. And then the work that you begin to do to shine that light, So this, you know, this is one of the reasons I do this. I love connecting with people like you. And one of the things I want to ask you, you know, so we talk about this, this sort of a choosing or a calling, but then there's also the free will. You were selecting experiences for yourself. How do you understand? How do you marry the two? How do you understand free will? Okay. So, and thank you for sharing. Jesus is like my number one dude as well. Um, And And I just want to talk a little bit about like, about religious, you know, when I first woke up or like when I first had this awakening, I thought that I had to fit into somebody else's box Mm -hmm. of religion. Like I thought spirituality and religion were the same thing. And so I kept going to all these different places to try to find where I fit in. And then I realized that it's no place, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I found some things that resonate really deeply and I keep them with me, but like, I'm able to cherry pick all of my things and create my own spirituality around it. So I, now I totally forgot what your question was. I'm so, no, I was going to ask you about free will because you know, your story seems like this, this was a calling or a choosing, you know, but then again, you selected the, the cereal boxes. Yes. So this is my inter this is my understanding of free will versus 
the pre-birth plan or how they really intersect with each other. Mm -hmm. So my pre-birth planning is my major plot points in life. They are mapped out. I have already picked them and I've picked the soul energies that I will experience them with. Mm -hmm. Now, in between those plot points, I can do anything that I want. And that's how I exercise my free will here on earth. So for me, my major plot points, one was addiction and one is recovery. Mm -hmm. Those are two major plot points in my Mm storyline. I could have decided to come into recovery at a much different time in my timeline. It did not have to play out the way that it did. Mm -hmm. I had many opportunities to step into recovery. And and then spiritual awakening is also one of my plot points. And so by coming into recovery at a different point, I would have had my slow and steady, beautiful, gradual journey to spiritual awakening. But instead, I kept taking all these twists and turns and loops and figure eights and U-turns and detours. And so by the time that I got to the plot point of spiritual awakening and recovery, they were so close to each other now because it was the end timeline. And so I had to have this bucket of, you know, spiritual bricks thrown at my head to just say, okay, it's time. It's time. You're about to miss your plot point. This is it. You know, it's done. So for me, that gives me a lot of freedom in my experience because I don't have to worry about what's going to happen or when it's going to happen because it's already mapped out. And so now all I do is I follow my joy until I discover what the next plot point is. I love that you said you follow your joy. I really, really love that. Yeah, because sometimes, you know, I wonder, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing next. Well, then check in with my heart. What is it that's bringing me so much joy, right? I love that, Betty. Do you feel like, um, you know, a lot of people say that when they have these big, massive, drastic experiences where they've been on the other side, they come back with more intuition, sometimes different effects. I mean, the effect that I had in your life was amazing. I mean, you've turned around, you know, big time. But do you feel like uh, those entities, like you said, you know, you could tap into your spirit guides and angels. Can you still feel their presence? Do you feel like you've become more intuitive? Are there any after effects like that? Yeah, yeah. After effects out the wazoo, definitely. And I asked to have a lot of my gifts turned down, which you can ask. And and you can also ask to have them turned up if you want them to be turned up. So when I first came back from the experience, this is so funny. So I went and I stole a Bible (laughs) from Walgreens. (laughs) Because I, I just really felt like I needed a Bible and I didn't have any money. And and I I just, and I was a, a very good thief. And it's so I stole thing. a Bible. A great and the fact that they had like a book and they had like an end cap of Bibles. And I was like, this is here for me. And I just took one. So when I opened up the Bible to a random page, there was this highlighted box. It was highlighted in my eyes. Like my eyes created a light box around a specific verse. And the verse that I had first, opened it up to was I'm gonna butcher it but about the birds don't want for anything the birds don't worry about how they're gonna eat or where they're gonna live or anything like you are in the care of Mm -hmm. so that gave me a lot of faith when I started onto the journey into recovery because I didn't have any money I had no clothes I had no nothing and I was really scared but I that box was highlighted and so I have this gift of bibliomancy which is the skill of being able to open up a book to a random page and it speaks directly to you. And so I use that as one of my main spiritual tools in my life. But when I, when I first had the awakening, 
it would actually be highlighted what I was specifically supposed to read. Wow, that's incredible, Betty. That is incredible. So another question I have for you, and this is, you know, I, um, when you experienced that healing, you mentioned, um, you know, that was like very kind or merciful, or there was this grace. The reason I want to talk about that a little bit, um, from my own experience, I spent 17 years in a very fundamentalist type religion. And one of the things I developed from that was a fear, a very unhealthy, uh, terrorizing fear of God a very distorted view of God. And, you know, it's taken me 10 years to fully heal from that. And part of my healing journey has been listening to these NDEs and these SDE, all these stories, right? So given that the life that you had been leading and you were an atheist, you know, and then the contrast with this experience, can you comment on that a little bit? How you feel about this higher entity? Oh, wow. So benevolent, so kind, so merciful, generous, unconditional love. That is source energy. Source energy is nothing but unconditional love. Mm -hmm. It's only the ego, the human that believes in duality because duality only exists here on earth. It does not exist in heaven. So, you know, there's still a piece of me that's an atheist. I am a dualistic atheist. I do not believe in a God that is condemning and judging. I only believe in a, in a non-dualistic entity. God is nothing but love and light. And all I have to do is surrender to the universe in order to experience that. I mean, it, it doesn't make sense any other way, especially with my story. Mm -hmm. When I, when I think about, I mean, every sin you know, it's, and sin is not real, but like every sin that a person could commit, I was in the midst in, in real time committing them, mm -hmm. you know, like laws against humanity, against nature, every, crimes, like everything that you could ever imagine. And none of it mattered. And that, that doesn't mean that I came back and I, I wanted to continue down the same life. I could, if I wanted to keep using drugs and being a prostitute and causing harm, I would still get to heaven. I know it with a million percent inside my heart. I know it. Mm -hmm. But today I choose to live righteously because it feels better. Yeah. It feels better to have faith and it feels better to do good and to be of service. And I never knew that that was even an option for me because my life was so rooted in the opposite. And so I know that if awakening is possible for me, it's literally possible for anybody and everybody because I, you could not have taken a more unaware, unawake individual and given them this, this awareness. So I know that if it, if it happened for me, I really feel like it's going to happen for everybody. Thank you so much for sharing that, Betty. I could just go on and on because you have so much to teach us, but I'm going to have to unfortunately cut us off because of time. However, are there any thoughts you want to leave us with? I just want to say thank you so much for this space. It's so beautiful and it's so creative. And I'm so grateful that, yeah, that we connected. And I'm grateful that you asked me to come and, and have a conversation today. And the only thing that I really think is a huge message from my experience, number one, there is no such thing as condemnation. Number two, there is support for you. Please reach out. My, my information will be in the liner notes of this video, and I can connect you to communities that can help you along the way. And uh, the, th the third and most important thing is that your thoughts really do shape your reality. My thoughts before were, I'm a drug addict, I'm a prostitute, I'm impoverished, I hate my life. And that was my experience. 
So today I have different thoughts. I'm an abundant individual. I'm surrounded with spiritual community. I have a connection to the divine. I love my life. And so that's now my new reality. And all of the things that had to be healed along the way to make these truths, these truths, you know, like I, I'm lucky that I found the tools and I just did it by setting intention and praying for them to be sent to me. So if that's possible for me, it's possible for you. And yeah, I'm really grateful for this space. Thanks again. Thank you very, very much, Betty. And to those who are watching and listening, I will have all of Betty's contact information in the show notes. So please feel free to reach out to her. Thank you, Betty. Thanks so much.